We are officially one week away from the regular season, and we have a ton to discuss. Jonathan Taylor wants that trade, gets the pop. 53-man roster cuts, last-minute team notes, everything that is worth noting, and most importantly, that specific plus EV edge you should be getting in the final week of best ball drafting. Time to kick off the DraftKings football show right now. Welcome back to the DraftKings Football Show, presented in partnership with DraftKings. I'm your host, Justin Herzig, and it is time to talk some football. I get chills just thinking that we're only a week away from seeing the Chiefs kick off the season at Arrowhead against those kneecap-biting Detroit Lions. Six and a half point favorites, 54 over-under. This is going to be a fun one. We have a lot to cover today, so let's jump in. Starting off, top point, Jonathan Taylor. Whew. When we chatted last week, we talked about kind of what I thought the likelihood of the trade was. I didn't think it was going to happen. I thought that combined with the first round that the the Colts were asking for, combined with Jonathan Taylor wanting that longer contract. I mean, even if the Colts just let Jonathan Taylor walk next year, they're going to get a third round compensatory pick. So it was unlikely to happen in my mind. We saw that the Dolphins probably had an off route. Colts were getting a little crazy asking for Waddle back. Even the Packers may have gotten involved. Uh, We heard a little rumors about the Bears, about the Eagles. But at the end of the day, a trade does not happen, which we thought was the most likely scenario. And then he goes in the pup. And so him going on the pup, it's a little bit of, uh, is this an actual injury? Is this a little more kind of strategery by the Colts? Um, We'll see what happens. But all we know for sure is for the next four games, Jonathan Taylor will not be active. It is still possible he gets traded midseason. I do believe that there are actually... uh, Sometimes we see the asking price uh, actually be met a bit more, you know, actually met because teams think maybe they're that one piece away. Maybe uh, they lose their starting running back and they're a little in desperation mode. Uh, I mean, hey, we saw San Francisco, that one piece away move, trading for Christian McCaffrey, huge boom to their offense. So it is still possible that Jonathan Taylor gets traded before the midseason deadline. But I think we need to continue forward as if like he's going to be a Colt and, uh, It is not a great situation. For me, when I'm thinking about what I'm doing with drafts, when I'm thinking about what I'm doing for best ball, like it's mostly an avoid situation. I kind of liked grabbing like a little, throwing some flyers out when we thought that he would get traded because, hey, they brought in Kareem Hunt. You had uh, Zach Moss is most likely the primary in that backfield when he gets back from his injury in week two or so. Then you got Deion Jackson. You got Evan Hall. Like it's just a crowded backfield. We really don't know what's going to happen. And you still have Jonathan Taylor doing that maybe in week five, he does come back. And uh, it's just a situation that I am mostly going to fade, mostly going to avoid. If he falls down to the 90s, that's when I'm trying to think like, okay, maybe the risk reward is worth it. But for the most part, other people are scooping in before that. And uh, he is a fade for me. The other most notable point, um, I think, uh, domino from this trade situation with Jonathan Taylor is the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins have been a backfield had an interesting kind of offseason because hey, you start off, you draft Devin A. Chain, smaller guy, but absolute amazing boost. You re-sign Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. And then we have the Dalvin Cook stuff. Maybe they made an offer to Dalvin Cook, it sounded like it was a little low. Maybe that four million, definitely a uh uh kicking the tires, playing it kind of smart aspect. Dalvin wants more. Dalvin goes with the Jets. 
then we have maybe they're in on the trades for Jonathan Taylor. And so the market for the Miami Dolphins running backs has always been uh, very cautious, kind of expecting that someone would come in there. And, you know, if they did bring in Dalvin, if they do trade for Jonathan Taylor, it just completely nukes that entire backfield. But as a result, it's pretty clear those are going to be the three guys going into the season. And Devin A. Chain, who's drafted the highest, He's not an every down back. You know, we're concerned he's not an every down back, especially at his size. And there's no way he starts the year off that way. I think he's actually going to be on a snap count, not to mention the injury, which is also kind of that learning curve he's going to go through. So I think Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson are fantastic values. I've been scooping them up. I slightly lean Raheem Mostert because I think Raheem Mostert has more, even though he's 31, still has that boost, still has more of that flash and that kind of big playability. Also, he's used more in the passing game, which is important to us in a PPR format. Jeff Wilson, we know we've seen some strong games for him, but in my mind, his success comes when at a point of volume. And when you have two other guys in the backfield, it's unlikely he's ever going to have this backfield to himself. So I want the guy Mostert, who even if he only has 10 to 12 touches, maybe it's, uh, you know, hey, 10 carries and maybe uh, we can throw in another kind of four targets or something. He at least has the ability to you know, finish as that RB2 uh, on a purely efficiency standpoint. But overall, I'm buying the entire backfield. I think ADP is a little slow um, to catch up to what it should be based off all these kind of uh, free agent signings with Dalvin, trade rumors with JT. Okay, moving on. 53-man roster cuts, roster moves. Rosters have been mostly finalized. I believe it was uh, 4 p.m. Early, you know, 4 p.m. earlier this week when those final decisions had to have been made, I think on Tuesday. Um, and so I'm going to go through the ones as I go through each team which I think are kind of most notable from a fantasy perspective, from what we may, you know, maybe want to react to, leverage in DFS in this final week of drafting for best balls or your home league. Uh, but let's start off with Minnesota. Minnesota, after roster cuts, was with down to three running backs. That was Alexander Madison, that is Kine Nongwu, and that is Ty Chandler. Now, then they also put Kine Nongwu on the IR. Hasn't really been playing much in the preseason, and they bring in Miles Gaskin. But what that meant is they left off uh, seventh-round draft pick Dwayne McBride, who was a fantastic runner in college, virtually caught no passes. But uh, it's hard for seventh-round running backs to make the active roster. And so the most likely scenario that we've seen is that he didn't make it. This should give us substantial confidence in Alexander Madison as the number one guy there and in Ty Chandler as the true backup, if not also going to have an every um, have a role when Alexander Madison is still healthy. Um, I'm, you know, been buying these guys. I think like, yes, the Alexander Madison, his price when it was around like 50 might've been a little high, but he's dropped down to ADP around 60 in most drafts. And uh, he's going to be catching passes. He's going to be the primary back there. The team has shown that they have confidence in him. When they let Dalvin Cook walk, they knew, hey, like, this is who we have. We have Madison. We've got Ty Chandler. They liked Ty Chandler last year. Before he had the ankle injury, he showed some flash in preseason. And uh, even the coaches' reports were like, yeah, this is going to be a big year. We expect him to step up. We need him to step up. I expect those two guys to be the primary backfield. Miles Gaskin may be playing a bit more of the depth role being signed this late in the offseason. Uh, so I think if you are drafting now, if you're still doing best ball, uh, Alexander Madison is still a very solid value pick. And then Ty Chandler is probably one of the best uh, handcuffs as well as just kind of secondary role players that you can get in drafts right now. Let's go to the Giants. All offseason, we have been confused with what the Giants were doing in the wide receiver department. 
basically signing five different slot receivers. You just had a slew of wide receivers, but we finally are starting to get some clarity after these cuts. We see Cole Beasley, Jamison Crowder, David Sills, Colin Johnson all did not make the 53-man roster. And the most surprising news was Wandale Robinson comes off the pop. There were rumors, there was speculation that Wandale may not even play this year, that if he comes back, he wouldn't come back until the second half of the season. But him avoiding the pop means that we're likely to see him in those first four games. And uh, that gives me crazy amounts of, um, I don't know, uh, confidence that I didn't have earlier in this offseason. So what I expect this wide receiver core to look like is going to be Isaiah Hodgins and Darius Slayton on the outside with Paris Campbell in this slot to start the year. You then have Jalen Hyatt, who's looked really good. Obviously, they spent second-round draft capital on him, and we expect Jalen Hyatt to find his way on the field. In this slot is where it makes the most sense because that's where he can get separation. And, you know, hey, the way that LSU leveraged him in those deep balls and those creating space, that's what we think we need to um, we expect the Giants to do as well. But then you also have the Wandale coming into the slot as well. So maybe this means that Jalen Hyatt actually plays some in the slot, also plays some on the outside. Um, it's still a little muddier situation, but like I think for me, I'm going to be drafting these guys when I'm stacking Daniel Jones and especially Wandale because he hasn't actually been drafted that often. And we'll touch on the best ball strategy in a little with uniqueness, but he's a player who you can actually get a unique aspect to your um to your team compared to even the ones that are in different leagues who he hasn't been being drafted in most leagues. From a DFS standpoint, um, I mean, hey, we'll have to look at you know, what that schedule looks like for the Giants and whether we think like we're going to get clarity. I think Darren Waller will clearly be the most popular stack partner for Daniel Jones. But if you're playing in a larger, you know, in a uh, larger field GPP, going off the grain of Waller, looking at a couple of these pass catchers, I think this is going to be a stay away from most players because they just don't have confidence in who it is. Could be an opportunity, especially early, whether you're going to make a bet on the Hodgins, on the Slayton. Um, could be some fantasy goodness there. Okay, Kansas City Chiefs, everyone's favorite darling, Justin Ross makes the 53-man roster. Justin Ross out of Clemson looked fantastic as a young wide receiver at Clemson, suffered from some injuries, and we haven't been able to see it at the NFL level. And uh, we are finally getting to see him make that 53-man roster. He flashed in preseason, which is a great thing. And the latest reports are that he will start, along with Rushi Rice, as a package player. That means, hey, I'm thinking maybe 10 to 12 snaps per game, something around that. Nothing crazy, but the hopes are that they can develop both those guys, Rashid Rice and Justin Ross, into far more um, regular players. So notable is, hey, if you want to take a flyer on Justin Ross, now is probably the first time I'd be willing to do it. His price, you know, still kind of in that 17th round area, but now we don't have that risk of him not making the team. So now I'm a little more open to, let me grab a wide receiver that we know is flash talent early on in his football career, college, and attached to Patrick Mahomes. But more importantly, especially with that news of Rasheed Rice only being a package player as well, this is just all positive signs for Sky Moore. MVS, we know he's going to be out there all the time. And then assuming Kadarius Tony is healthy, that's probably the three wide receiver set. But this is probably uh, I think Sky Moore we have seen throughout the offseason. This continues to kind of reiterate. He's probably the biggest winner here. He's going around in the 90s of drafts, and uh, that's probably appropriate. And uh, even though there's still risk, I mean, it is a Kansas City that spreads the ball so much. If someone is able to emerge as an alpha um, from a volume perspective, yes, he's a slot player, but from a volume perspective, I think that could be Skymore. 
Let's say in the AFC, we'll go over to the Broncos. Another crowded situation that we really didn't know what to do with, just led to uh, a lot of ambiguity, is the Denver tight end room. We, uh, you know, Dulce, Greg Dulcich was a popular draft pick early on. People wanted to, you know, they see the talent, they see the prospect profile. But then Sean Payton brings in his own guy, Troutman. Looks on the depth chart. Troutman is ahead of Dulcich. We see him preseason games. Troutman looks to be ahead of Dulcich. And then we also have Albert O lingering. Well, that Albert O situation is no longer lingering. Albert O gets traded to the Eagles. And now, so now we have the Troutman and the Greg Dulcich. But I think most importantly as well is, hey, Greg Dulcich is the pass-catching wide receiver. And I mean, the, the pass-catching tight end. And in the wide receiver room for Denver is severely lacking. Uh, you went into the season with Tim Patrick, with uh, KJ Hamler, with Jerry Judy, all healthy. Tim Patrick's out for the season. KJ Hamler's having the heart issues, and we're not sure when he returns. And now Jerry Judy has had what might be a kind of serious injury. We'll see how many games he is out, but they may not need to just use Greg Dulcich just from a pass catching standpoint. And so while even just as uh, early as probably two weeks ago, I was pretty out on Dulcich because I was just like, the risk isn't worth it for uh, what you're, you know, when there's so many other value tight ends later, I've started drafting him because his price keeps falling, but now there's just more and more opportunity for him. The Alberto one gave me increased confidence. While I think, hey, yes, Troutman is going to play substantial snaps, but he's going to be more that blocking tight end when they want to throw Greg Dulcich in and they're going to need someone to catch more passes. So now I'm actually buying Greg Dulcich. Uh, really like his price at that like 170s for ADP, I believe. Okay, let's move over to New England. Not much fantasy goodness out of New England other than people may be excited for Ramondre, but we're going to be talking quarterback situation. One of the cheapest quarterbacks all year, Mac Jones. Uh, long story short, his job is a lot safer than what we thought maybe a month ago. Early on, Superflex drafts, people were drafting Bailey Zappi. They were thinking like he may actually win that job, may overtake Mac Jones midseason. Uh, there was talk of what was... Um, were the Patriots trying to sell Mac Jones? Were they trying to trade him away? Whatever those rumors, whatever those murmurs were, here's what the news is. Bailey Zappi was cut. Malik Cunningham cut. There is only one active quarterback on that roster and is Mac Jones. They have said that they'll probably bring in a veteran um, backup quarterback for um, a veteran backup quarterback for Mac Jones. And for me, that just tells me that Mac Jones, his job is very safe. And that was not baked into projections throughout the summer because there was that somewhat small risk, but it was a risk that if Mac Jones doesn't do well, if they really like Bailey Zappi, that they would bring him in. There's no chance that they're going to be benching Mac Jones for whoever this veteran that comes in. That veteran is there from a, from a leadership-wise, from a teaching Mac Jones, from a just stability if Mac Jones were to get hurt. So if you are interested in those late stacks, it is very easy to grab Mac Jones and grab someone like Devontae Parker, grab someone like Hunter Henry, Mike Gusecki. Uh, lots of options there. I'm still a little concerned on the offense, especially because they play in such a difficult division from a defensive standpoint. They have one of the most difficult schedules. I think it's going to be a rough year for Patriots. But if you need that late stack, if you're investing in the New England offense, I think you can have more safety, more confidence in Mac Jones now. Okay, talking about strategy aspects for best ball we are yeah i'm recording this on thursday the last day of august that is one week remaining in best ball i still have a ton of best ball drafts to do because i believe that this is some of the best time to be drafting one 
It is when the most casuals, the most fish, the most normies are out here drafting with us. They, you know, hey, they see that football is coming up. They're in their home league with their friends. They're going on DraftKings. They see DFS is coming and they want to jump into a best ball league. And uh, some they're drafting for the first time. Some people, maybe they've read an article. They've watched a podcast. They have that one kind of tidbit or strategy piece that they're going to try to follow. Um, But for us, we've been doing this all summer. This is the greatest opportunity kind of, hey, let's figure out where there is value and what kind of edges we have. And let's hone in on that for the next week. And here's what I see from a kind of tips and things that I'm incorporating in my strategies. First thing. I mentioned that there's more casuals, there's more normies. What that usually ends up happening in my mind is that QBs often get sniped more often. And so what that looks like is people who don't understand the value of stacking, people that are just trying to draft their guys, get their guys, uh, they're willing to grab an unstacked, a naked quarterback. And uh, that's a bit frustrating when, hey, maybe you drafted Tyreek Hill in the second, Jalen Waddle in the third, and you think you're going to get... you know, you think you're going to get two to fall to you at that 91, 92 pick. Um, or maybe you even want to wait a turn and get some value because you're like, ah, eh, the people on the turn already drafted their QB. Well, in this situation, in my mind, maybe it makes sense. Don't wait that extra round. And other quarterbacks, if you're kind of four or five picks above ADP, I think it's okay to reach a small amount for quarterbacks here because there's an increased chance your QB gets sniped. And we can likely find value later on or other parts of the draft. When I've been doing drafts, I've been stacking up just immense amounts of ADP value as other people are reaching. Because again, these casuals, if they're going to reach on a QB, especially one that's unstacked, they're probably reaching elsewhere too. So I'm okay with giving up a little ADP value to get my quarterback that's correlated, that's stacked, because I think I can get substantial ADP closing my value elsewhere. All right. Also, one week left, uniqueness is the name of the game. If you've been drafting all summer, you have a general idea of two things. One, where players have been drafted all year, who's had strong movement, who hasn't. And two, which players haven't been drafted at all this offseason? Who are the ones who just have been kind of left off? And if you draft them now, you're getting them in very low, you're getting them at very low ownership. To the first point, it's really more of a top of the draft standpoint. When I think of how I can get unique player combinations, because again, If you're looking at the DraftKings $10 Millie Maker, you've got to beat out about 1,300 plus other people in that week 17. How do we beat out 1,300 plus people? We have unique aspects. We have unique combinations. We have unique players. We have high leverage. And then those players do well. And so in the early rounds, if you have a way to get leverage against the field by getting unique player combinations, now is the time to do it. One example is last night I was in a draft and uh, Josh Jacobs, We know we've been drafting him around ADP 30 for a lot of this, you know, for a lot of the last month or two. He he has, you know, I think a month or so ago, way back when he still was around that because people were scared of the offense in general. Like he hasn't really moved into that late second, early third from an ADP until just now. And so, yes, some people are like, well, why would I want to draft him now when I've been taking him at 30 all summer? Shouldn't I just say, hey, you know what? I don't want to give up that value against everyone else. But the truth is the unique player combinations you get now, though, do actually, in my mind, surpass that edge you're losing in those kind of five picks. So, for example, if you were to go with a Justin Jefferson, Calvin Ridley, Josh Jacobs team to start right now, that is a very unique combination. Calvin Ridley hasn't been at this point the majority. He's been going in the late third round and has slowly moved up. Josh Jacobs also kind of late third round, 
and Justin Jefferson has always been pick one. So this is a rare time where the ADPs are actually lining up where you can get Justin Jefferson and then grab two more players that, for the most part, people have not been drafting. Now, why is this valuable? Again, if you can get that team to week 17 and you are the only one that has that three-player or those two-player combinations and they go off, you're now getting leverage against the field. So as you think through your early rounds, this is a time where it's okay to reach a little. It's okay to kind of be unique a little if you're getting unique player combinations that other people have not been getting all summer long. The second part, as I mentioned, is the uniqueness with players that haven't even been being drafted. Now, for me, this is last round, primarily running backs. There might be a couple of the other positions, for example, say a Cole Turner at tight end, if you think he can break out. Um, but for the most part, running backs are the ones who, now that we have more clarity on who the number two guy is in these backfields, we can be drafting them. And when they haven't been drafted much all season, if they're the ones that break out, you're getting leverage on the field. For me, the top guys that I really like, number one, Josh Kelly. Josh Kelly clear, you know, is clear. It appears clear that he is the number two back in the Chargers offense. That is a highly explosive, what is a, probably a top three, at least top five offense. If Austin Eckler were to go down, we've seen Josh Kelly catch his passes. We've seen him taking on an increased role. Uh, I am no longer not concerned about Isaiah Spiller. If you know Eckler goes down, you've got the Kelly. There's also the added, hey, Kellen Moore comes in. Maybe Eckler actually doesn't take as much of a volume as he had before. Maybe Josh Kelly has a bit more of an every you know um, everyday role. And so I think there's some upside there. And this is a player we have not seen drafted. Move over to another explosive offense, Cincinnati. We have not known who that number two is all summer. There's been speculation. Is it Travion Williams? Is it Chris Evans? It clears. Yes, Travion Williams is back at practice. He still has a chance to beat it out. But reports look like Chris Evans is going to be the number two, going to be the pass catching back in that offense. We've seen how valuable a role that was for Samaj P. Ryan. Chris Evans actually has a bit more burst than Samaj P. Ryan. If Mixon goes down, if Mixon phases suspension, I don't expect Chris Evans to take it all, but I think like there's still substantial value there. And if he is that pass catching back, he can still have some decent games. And he has not been being drafted much at all either. Uh, third one I will mention, and this one has gotten popular in the last week or two. But still, I'm happy drafting him because for the majority of drafts, all offseason, that's 50, 60% of drafts, Kieran Williams was not drafted. Now, Kieran Williams, the Rams have had a lot, you know, he's been in positive favor, positive graces for them. They've really liked him. Last year, there were even rumors in one of the games, I think it was Adam Schefter said he started Kieran Williams in his fantasy league because it looked like the Rams wanted him to be almost the lead back when Cam Akers wasn't doing well. And uh, then Kieran Williams early on, got an injury, and we never saw things come to fruition. The signs that really give us confidence this year is that he sat out every single preseason game along with Cam Akers. It has been very clear that these two are the two-man backfield. I think Kieran Williams would be the more pass-catching back when, hey, the only person that we have confidence in catching passes in that, uh, you know, from the wide receiver court right now is Cooper Cup. The rest of the guys like Van Jefferson and Puka and Tutu and uh, I guess Tyler Higby, like Kieran Williams could have a major role as a pass-catching back and I wouldn't be shocked if maybe Cam Akers something happens again, if it's an injury or if it's just something isn't off the field. We've known there's been some uh, some weirdness with his role with the Rams in the past. Kieran could actually gain a larger role. So those are the three running backs that have not been drafted the majority this year that I am targeting in that 20th and that 19th round of DraftKings best ball drafts. And uh, there's value there. If I'm looking at other positions, 
wide receiver, uh, Wendell Robinson, I referenced him earlier. He's probably one where has not been drafted. He's had that uh, O, the out, or um, on most of the drafts, which has scared people away, as well as what I mentioned. Like, I wasn't even sure if he was going to play this year or at what point, but that's probably one that I really like, especially if it's a Daniel Jones stack. Uh, the tight end, I mentioned Cole Turner, uh, Washington, tight end, young guy. And uh, when you're really only chasing behind like Logan Thomas and uh, I think Bates is the other one, um, you know, this is a this is a team that likes to use their tight end. It's obviously Eric Bieniemy coming in. We saw what he did with Kelsey in Kansas City. Um, yes, there's no chance that Cole Turner is Travis Kelsey, but can he at least play in somewhat of a similar role of the three tight ends? He's probably the most athletic at this point in his career. Uh, so don't mind tight end dart throws on someone like Cole Turner either. Okay, moving on. Uh, ADP inefficiencies. I touched a little on this with the Miami Dolphins backfield, but at a high level, the core the core of this thesis is, is that ADP is slow to actually evolve, is slow to react to important news. If it is injuries, it took a while for the kind of the ADP to drop. And then if there's positive news, it takes a while for the ADP to kind of correct. And so there's some names out here where I think there's some value to be had. I mentioned Josh Jacobs earlier. I still think he has value in that, you know, probably mid to late second round. And so if I'm getting him at the end of the second or early third, I love that. I mentioned the Miami running backs for the wide receivers. We have some interesting names here where, hey, you need to take a kind of a risk-reward situation with guys like Jerry Judy, JSN, Terry McLaurin. Judy's the one I'm most concerned with from an injury perspective, but it sounds like JSN, like he's already back at practices catching after surgery on his wrist. I'm not expecting him to be a full-time you know, player in week one, but we were never expecting that anyways. I think they'll probably take him a little slow, but this is still very positive news, and you can get him a value. Terry McLaurin, he's been dropping, but reports are he'll probably play week one as well, if not probably soon after. Those are guys where, yes, there's some risk, but if you want to take that falling ADP, you're getting them later than they've been drafted all offseason. Now is the time to do it in this final week. Similarly, some running backs, Elijah Mitchell, Damian Harris, Miles Sanders, all have suffered some injuries in preseason, but are looking to be good for week one. Their ADP has dropped and is not corrected fast enough. So you may not love these guys, but if you're playing simply the ADP value standpoint, they should all be being drafted probably about a round or so earlier. So if you need running backs in those areas, those are guys that I am targeting that I do like. And last note is around slow drafts. If you are entering slows, be ready that clock adjustments are coming on DraftKings. It is Monday. That's Labor Day at 10 a.m. Eastern time. You might be on the beach. You might be having a little brewski. You might be playing some lawn golf. I don't know. But be ready at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Those clocks move to an hour. On Tuesday, at the same time, 10 a.m., they go to 10 minutes. And then in Wednesday evening, I think most should be done by then. But if not, Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, they move down to two minutes. So if you are entering in slow drafts, just be ready that, hey, your Labor Day, your phone's going to be buzzing. Okay, that is a lot of information. I hope this is really helpful. Thank you again for, for tuning in to the DraftKings Football Show. Thank you to our partners, DraftKings. And uh, I have one ask of all of you, as this is a new show, we know how those algorithms work. If you could give this a five-star rating, if you could leave a review in the podcast stores for this, I would greatly appreciate it. That helps spread this word. Or if you want to tell a friend, tell a friend about this show. I really appreciate it. I'm going to have a blast creating this all season. As I said, trying to keep everything to under or around that 30-minute mark and provide you with all the most important information 
for you to get on your way. And uh, hey, we got a little promo. If you do leave a review in the podcast stores, we're going to pick out a winner to win a free Owners Club pack. That's $99 value. If you don't know what Owners Club is, check my pinned tweet on Twitter. But uh, for everyone else, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Have a great final week of basketball season. Don't let those slow cocks get you down. Don't get those auto drafts. I'm going to be in the lobbies. I, uh, I'll be, I still got a bunch of those $10 millies that I'm really going to try to max that out over the next week. It's going to be fun. But everyone, thank you for joining us. I will see you later. See you next week. 